you know, it's, it's a wonderful thing to know that God is God all by himself. We worship one God, one God. He is God. He's not one of any other gods. He is God. He's the creator God. In other words, nothing was created except by him. And that he himself is not created. He was and is and is to come. He is God all by himself. He doesn't need you or me to tell him he's God. He doesn't need anything to tell him he's God. And, and you know what? He doesn't really mind so much that people don't think that he's God. He's God, whether they think it or not. He's God all by himself. There's nothing we can ever say or do that can change that fact. God is God all by himself. And I just think it's wonderful that God has chosen to reveal himself to humanity. He's chosen to reveal himself to humanity in three distinct, divine, but yet same essence, same substance people, same people, same God, three, three persons. God has chosen in his grace to reveal himself to us that way. Could you imagine, could you imagine if God just didn't choose to reveal himself? We wouldn't have a Bible for starters. We wouldn't have a relationship with Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve would just be in the garden going, why are we here? There wouldn't be God walking with them in the garden, revealing himself as the creator, as the father. We wouldn't have the Ten Commandments. We, Moses wouldn't have had a relationship with him. Abraham wouldn't have had a relationship with him. So we wouldn't know about faith and righteousness. We wouldn't it'd just be so difficult. In fact, we wouldn't have even known who Jesus was if God did not reveal himself in the person of Jesus, the Son. Where would we be without him? Where would we be without the Trinity? Now, as you know, today is Trinity Sunday, uh, and you probably know also that you'll never find the word Trinity in your Bible. It's not there. It's a, it's, a, it's a word that we've come up with, us humans, that just means that uh, God is, is three persons, three divine persons, but one, one God revealed in three different ways, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Jesus' prayer in John chapter 17 it reveals something, I think, that we can learn about the Trinity. In Jesus' prayer, he prayed, God, may they, Father, may they be one as we are one. May they be one. He's talking about his disciples or people that would follow him. A disciple is a learner, 
A disciple certainly is not perfect. But it's a person who follows Jesus, listening to his words and obeying them. Listening to Jesus' commands and obeying them. You know, Jesus, when he gave the great commission to the disciples in Matthew 28, he said, uh, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Jesus commanded the disciples to do quite a lot of things, like love one another as I have loved you, said Jesus. This is my commandment, he said, love one another as I have loved you. Jesus wants unity. Unity is God's desire. For all believers. But what is unity? Is it being the same? You know, birds of a feather flock together. Have you ever heard that saying before? Is it wearing the same uniform? Is it behaving the same? Is it having the same abilities? No, it's not. Unity is not uniformity. Unity is a little bit like a little bit like my guitar. The strings are all quite different. I guess except for this string here and this string here. They're both E, but they're different tone. And each one of those strings, even though they're different, if they're played the right way, they make a, a chord. And they can, if played by a professional guitarist, they can sound quite lovely. And there'd be harmony. And some of you in, in uh, our church in Pakenham know that I'm part of a choir. And uh, I, uh, so awesome. This choir is amazing. It's made up of all different kinds of people with all kinds of abilities. And uh, I love them. Uh, but each one has a different voice. But when we sing in unity or in unison with our different voices, it sounds amazing. It sounds three-dimensional. It sounds like a harmony. Unity is God's desire for all believers. Jesus prayed it. Jesus prayed for you and for me as believers in him that, that we would be one. We would be one. Now, I looked it up, that Greek word for one, it actually means one. We'd be one. We'd have one heart, one mind, one spirit. It was Jesus' prayer for unity in, in, uh, in the body of believers. If you've got John 17 open, that's great. We're going to be skipping through uh, to a few other scriptures as well. But predominantly, I want to talk to you about what the, unit, what the, what the Trinity can teach us about unity. You know, Jesus wants us to be one. As we are one, says Jesus. So we, he wants us to be one as, as God is one, but three persons in one. 
You know, Jesus uses that word we. He's talking to his father in heaven. He's saying, as we are one. He's calling himself God. Jesus is God. The Father is God. The Holy Spirit is God. It's just God revealing himself in three different persons. And I'm so thankful that he has. It was Jesus' prayer for disciples then. So in verse 11, he says um, he's, he's praying for his disciples there and then, right? In Galilee, when he's praying in, in the in the upper room or wherever it was that he was praying, he said, he said, uh, Holy Father, in verse 11 at the end, Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. It was his prayer for them then to be one. Now skip down to verses 21, uh, 20 to 23. Uh, he says it's, my prayer is not for them alone. I also pray for those who will believe in me through their message. The message passed down year after year after year. And here we are 2,000 years later. This is Jesus praying for you and for me 2,000 years ago. He says, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. So you and I, living today, can be one with all of them. How, is, how can that be? He says again in verse 21, May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. Now why? Why would Jesus pray that prayer? Why would he want us to be one? So that the world believes that God sent Jesus. Have a look at verse 21. He says, That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Oneness in the body of Christ, as the church of believers of Jesus all around the world, followers of Jesus, oneness reveals that Jesus was sent from the Father. He, Jesus says, may they be one so that the world will know and believe that you have sent me. Now, why did, why did God send Jesus? He sent Jesus to be the mediator between sinful humans and a holy God. That's why Jesus was sent. So that you and I, he's like a doorway for us to enter heaven or to enter the kingdom of God, to enter relationship with God by faith in his sacrifice for our sins on the cross that we can be forgiven and know for sure that we have a relationship restored that was lost back in the Garden of Eden. Now, if, if we're one, if, if, if Jesus' prayer can be answered and we are one, what that does is it reveals to the world around, the ones that aren't believing in Jesus, 
it reveals that Jesus, it reveals to them that Jesus is who he says he was. You know, have you ever heard that saying, actions speak louder than words? Yeah. Well, it's true. Actions speak louder than words, especially in Australia. Australians have good BS detectors. They know when someone is spinning them a yarn. They know when someone's being genuine and honest. Generally, generally. Actions speak louder than words. Was it Francis of Assisi that said, we need to preach the gospel on all occasions and if need be, use words. Everyone's heard of Mother Teresa. Actions speak louder than words. Our oneness as brothers and sisters in the Lord tells the world around us who Jesus is. Wouldn't you love to be able to tell people who Jesus is? Wouldn't you love to be able to tell them that he died for their sins on the cross? I know, I would love to. Sometimes I'm a little afraid to say that to people because I would hate to ruin the relationship. Well, here's a way that we can actually evangelize to the world around us without having to get on our soapbox and, and be an evangelist. We just start loving each other. We just start living in unity with each other. We start honouring each other's gifts and differences in Christ and being led by his Holy Spirit to live in unity. And the world around us would see that. That would preach louder than any sermon. Oneness, says Jesus. Another reason for oneness is in verse 23. So that the world would know that God loves them, or so that the disciples would know that God loves them. It's hard to say what that reason is, that Jesus, how the wording is there. But in verse 23, it says in the NIV, may they be brought to complete unity to tell the world, uh, sorry, to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. To prove God is a loving God. How many times have you ever been in a situation where you just you just can't get along well with someone else in church and uh, and it's actually hard to prove to onlookers that you serve a loving God? Or let's put it this way. What about the last time you were uh, you, you worshiping God or you went to church and you had a fight with someone in your family and it was really difficult to actually worship God? because there wasn't any unity there. There wasn't that oneness. There wasn't that reconciliation. There was, uh, there was animosity. There was something in the way. God desires unity. Now, not uniformity, which is a bit sad because we like to stick around with people that are like us. We, we like uniformity. There's a lot of denominations around, a lot of Christian denominations around, simply because birds of a feather flock together. We like to hang out with people that agree with us. That's just who we are. But God thinks bigger than that. Turn with me, if you can, to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and uh, we'll just look at verses 12 and 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 and 13 The body, this is Paul writing to the church in Corinth, he says the body is a unit, 
though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ, for we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. You know, it's just like God to pour out his spirit on all people. I love asking the question to people sometimes that are narrow-minded or, or don't think like this, that God is a God of unity. What language does God speak? What language does God speak? If you're English, you automatically think he speaks English because that's how he speaks to me. If you're Indian, you think my Urdu or something, he speaks to you in a different language. God, he speaks spiritual language because he is a spirit. God is spirit, Jesus said to the woman at the well, and his worshippers will worship him in spirit and in truth. God is bigger than our differences. But interesting here, the one thing that all believers in Jesus have in common is being baptised in his spirit, by one spirit. And we all drink, have been given the one spirit to drink. We all drink of the one spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in me is no different to the Holy Spirit in you. He is the Holy Spirit after all, and he, not, he never changes. He can't change. He's God all by himself. But he's chosen to reveal himself as God, the Holy Spirit. And when Jesus Christ rose again, he poured out the Spirit. He was able to do that on all believers. We see that in Acts chapter 2 when Peter delivers that amazing sermon to all of those Jewish people in all of those different languages that were there. Gee, Peter delivers that message and the Holy Spirit is poured out. It's amazing. God desires unity. But he desires unity with him as God. See, that's where humanity got it wrong. If you know the story in the Bible in Genesis of the, the uh, Tower of Babel, where humanity wanted unity, but they wanted unity with them as God, with them in charge, with them calling the shots on what life should be and how they should live. And they wanted a democracy, which is good in itself. But ultimately, God, God is the only one who knows exactly what we need and how we need it and when we need it. He's God all by himself. And he saw that humanity was going to fall apart without him. Oh, they might have lived well and succeeded in life, but when it came to death, they were lost. Without a holy spirit, they were lost. And so God stepped in and he confused their languages. You know, and Pentecost Sunday in, uh, in Acts chapter 2 is kind of a, a way where God fixes Babylon, kind of mends it, and he restores it. And he brings back one language, the Holy Spirit, one spirit for us all to drink. 
He goes on, Paul talks about the, the body of Christ having different parts, many parts. Some parts are visible, some parts, some parts aren't. Now, I recently learned about a part of my body uh, last November. And the older I get, the, the more I realize that I have parts of my body. I don't know about you, but I find that. And I found out that I had a hip joint called a labral, a labrum, sorry, labrum. It's the bit where your leg mm-hmm. uh, goes into the cup of your hip and there's a, there's a membrane inside or a, a ligament, I think it is. But um, I've torn that. I tore that uh, by running around, kicking a soccer ball, and it never healed. And I'm still suffering the pain from that. But you know what? It's not just the pain in the hip. It's the pain in the other parts of my body that are compensating for that injury. And it's the same with with the body of Christ. If one part suffers, we all suffer. God desires unity. God desires total fitness. And the Holy Spirit is the best personal trainer for for the body of Christ. If we would just but listen to him. Jesus said, he prayed, Father, may they be one. May they be one. Now, when he said one, he didn't mean all the same. He meant may they have a unified cause, a unified strength. May they have the Holy Spirit in them. And the Holy Spirit we know has given different gifts to each member of the body of Jesus Christ for the, for the growth of the church and for the encouragement of each and every other member. But he said, he said, may they be one as we are one, as we are one. Now, one God, the one God is revealed in three distinctly divine persons. They're of one substance, homoousios, I think is the Greek word. One substance, one nature. There was a time where Jesus was uh, out and about one day. And uh, a man came up to him and said, Jesus, what's the most important commandment? And Jesus began with these words. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And then he said, you shall love your neighbor. uh, You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You know, he gave those two commands. He says, on those two commandments, hang all the law and the prophets. But before he said those two commandments, you know, love God with everything and love your neighbor as yourself, he said this little, this little phrase. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That is the beginning of a prayer called the Shema, which is a Jewish prayer. And it comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6. Verse 4, where God says to Moses, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That word God, the Lord, well, first of all, let's look at the Lord. The Lord is Yahweh, right? In in, uh, Hebrew, Yahweh. He is the Lord. He's the creator. He's the one who split the sea so the Israelites could be freed uh, from the, uh, the chasing um, Egyptians. He's Yahweh. He's the one who provided for them in the wilderness. He is the Lord, the Lord, right? 
capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, the Lord. Right? Here, O Israel, the Lord, our God. God, this word is Elohim. Elohim. It's the same word in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You know, I was at the traffic lights the other day and I was, um, I was waiting at the lights and, and just to my right, there's another car waiting at the lights to turn right. And I was looking at the number plate. I like to look at the number plates of some cars to try and figure out what they mean. And this was a different number plate. It was, it was this. It was um, uh, VS and the, and the numeral one. And then over the other side, it was O-N-E. V-S-1 O-N-E. And I thought, why? That's, that's, what, what does that mean? What does that mean? And then as the car started to move away, I realized that the brand of the car was a Genesis. And then it dawned on me, that guy might be a believer. He might be Jewish or he might be Christian. I don't know. But, it, but his number plate and his car spoke to me as Genesis verse 1. Sorry, chapter 1, verse 1. I think it was the other way around. O-N-E-V-S-1. Genesis 1, 1. And, and in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But that word God, did you know, is plural. Elohim, other, other than El or Eloah, is the singular. Elohim is plural. And we see in Genesis chapter 1, the Spirit of God hovering over the waters. You know, and the, the, the word of God speaking creation out into being. And, and we can see later on in hindsight, as, as believers in John's gospel, in the first chapter, we see that Jesus was present at creation. So he is, he is all of these, all of these aspects of all these persons of the Trinity, all of the Trinity at creation. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right there. He is he's plural, but he's one. And the Shema says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God. The Lord is one. That word in Hebrew, is, it just means one. He's one. He's the one. He is one. I don't get it. I could never understand the Trinity. And this is not a sermon to try and explain the Trinity. You could probably YouTube or Google that and find a whole lot of different explanations that really won't cut it. Because... We know for sure that in, in Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9, it talks about how God's ways are higher than our ways. And his thoughts are far beyond our thoughts. But I love how God has revealed himself in the person of Jesus Christ, in the person of the Holy Spirit, and in the person of the loving Father who wants to restore relationship with his lost sons and daughters. I love how God has revealed himself in that way. And the Trinity is, is basically a relationship that we can learn from as believers. You see, each and every part, each and every person of the Trinity reveals the other. We see in, in, um, in Matthew chapter 1, we see, sorry, Matthew chapter 3, Jesus's Baptism by John the Baptist. 
in Matthew chapter 3, uh, verse 11, we have John the Baptist, and he says these words. He says to the crowds, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And then down further in verse 13, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? And Jesus replied to him, Let it be so. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. Now, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. There's the father, the voice from heaven, revealing Jesus as the son. And Jesus talks about in John chapter 14, 15 and 16, how the Holy Spirit is the promised one who will come and be poured out on all believers, not just one person or a, or a couple of people for a, set, for a set task. He'll be poured out on all believers. And Jesus says he will guide you in all truth and he will testify about me. Jesus said to the disciples, there are so many other things that I need to tell you. But when he comes, the spirit that is, he will guide you in all truth. You see, the spirit points to Jesus. The father points to Jesus. Jesus revealed the father. We, we see all through the gospels. Jesus saying words like the words I say are the father's or I only do what I hear the father do or I only see what I see the, I only do what I see the father doing or I only say what I hear the father saying it, each each person the father the son and the holy spirit are all pointing to each other they're all giving glory to each other they're all revealing each other you know what and I think that's what Jesus wants in his church I think that's what he wants in the body of Christ is that he doesn't like it when people start pointing the fingers to themselves and saying, look at me, notice me, look how awesome I am. He loves it when we serve one another, when we put a towel around our waist and start serving with humility others, start pointing the finger at someone else and honoring them, saying, hey, look at that person. They're doing a fantastic job. Jesus honors that. And so the world also sees that and they see that's strange. Why would someone be honoring someone like that? Why would someone be feeding someone like that? Why would someone be forgiving someone like that? They think it's strange, but what it does is it points to a God who loves them. A God who sent Jesus to die for them. The Father reveals Jesus. The Holy Spirit reveals Jesus. The Father, it's all oneness and unity. And Jesus prayed, Father, may they be one as we are one. I want to finish on um, this uh, wonderful little, I guess it's a benediction of sorts at the end of chapter, uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 14. It's often, um, we often uh, say this, or we'll send this blessing off, uh, send people off with this blessing at our church, um, and uh, these are the words of Paul to the Corinthian church. He finishes off his letter with these words, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God 
and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. That's a God who reveals himself in the person of Jesus, showing grace, grace, grace. Grace is giving something that isn't deserved. It's unmerited kindness of God. It's a blessing, and it's may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, God has revealed his grace through Jesus. Then he says the love, the love of God, the love of the Father, the approval, the acceptance into his family. This love is a, is, is a Greek word that's agape love. It's a one-way love. God doesn't wait for us to love him. He's God all by himself, and he loves us. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall have eternal life. It's simple. Believe. Just have faith. And he says the fellowship or the partnership, literally, of the Holy Spirit, the sharing in common with the Holy Spirit. You know, God has revealed himself in that way. He shows his grace through Jesus. He shows his love through a father who gives, who's compassionate, who's, who's audacious with his gift giving. And he shows his fellowship with us through his Holy Spirit. And I'm so thankful for that, that God has revealed himself in the Trinity. And we participate in that. Peter writes in, in his letter to the church, we participate in the divine nature in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. So again, let me finish off. Jesus' prayer again is that so that the world will believe in him, so that they may know that God loves them. How do we stay as one? In our diversity? Well, Paul writes to another church in Galatia and he writes, keep in step with the Spirit of God. You know, it's a dance. It's a, it's a dance with the rhythm that we all can step in time to. It's a dance with the Holy Spirit. That's what following Jesus is. It's keeping in step with his Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will use his word and he will use other Christians around you to help you and I to become the people that he want us, wants us to be, to help you and I sing the same song with different parts but in perfect harmony, to dance the same dance with different parts but in perfect unison because he's God and he's with us. Isn't that awesome that God, I'm so thankful that God has revealed himself to us in those three ways. If you're blessed by that message, let us know. Uh, if you've got any thoughts, any ideas, then uh, let us know too. But uh, isn't it awesome that God has revealed himself to us? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you're a loving God. You're such a loving God. Not only did you send Jesus to die for our sins, but you poured out your Holy Spirit into our hearts as we believed in him so that we wouldn't be alone, but we would have strength and power to live for you, to overcome the enemy, to overcome sin, to overcome the desires of our hearts, to live for you, to, to show you off to the world, to model you to the world, to reveal you to the world. And Father, we pray that you would continue to answer Jesus' prayer, that each one of us would be one with each one. As you pour out your spirit in us, God, we thank you that he is the same, is the same spirit in us working in us, guiding us, that we might be one 
for your glory. Amen.